How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Moles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and a vendor of the faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And hey, got a little special bit of a show for you today. If you were listening to the OFT Podcast that dropped on Friday morning, kind of hinted around at this, I'm going to bring on uh, Matt Brown from the Extra Points newsletter and Extra Points Podcast. Uh, look, NIL is is complicated and it is everywhere and again it's a little bit of the wild west so because i am either have played ignorance or just i uh, just did not want to dive into this uh myself i am going to rely on experts in the field guys that who are who are studying this who are reporting on this who are you know being investigative journalists uh and figuring out how this is working all over the country and kind of get uh you know, have some thoughts on that. So going to bring on Matt Brown and going to ask him some questions. Um, a lot of it's going to be national, uh, kind of a national base here, but uh, definitely with a, with a Notre Dame focus, um, I think it is going to be more than uh, worth your time to, to, to listen to what he has to say and to, you know, start to understand this world that we're living in that may not even be the same world in six months. Uh, so, uh, very, very interesting. So let's get right to it. Uh, here's Matt Brown. All right, everyone. Joining us today is the pub- publisher of the Extra Points Newsletter. <laughs> My old boss and friend to all Notre Dame fans, at least four to eight of them. Uh, Matt Brown. Matt, what's up, buddy? Hey, thanks so much for having me, man. It's always, always good to catch up. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, there is... Uh, I, the off season for college football just has is absolutely not existent anymore. And <laughs> it's been that way for a few years. And I think NIL has really is adding it, adding even more to that fire because there's just so much going on and there's so many different things involved with NIL. I am looking to you uh, as, as someone to kind of like set the record straight. So I think a lot of our listeners and readers at one foot down, I think everyone kind of understands a little bit of the basics of actually what the NIL stuff brings, but you see a lot of people like when they're pointing over at some big deals say, well, that's breaking rules, breaking rules. Can you kind of break it down a little bit to like, what is, what is NIL? What is allowed? What is not allowed? And how do you see that moving forward in the future? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best here. So, um, 
you know, NIL, that stands for name, image, or likeness. And, and when the NCAA changed last summer uh, regulations uh, that prohibiting that, it, it means that an athlete can now be paid uh, to uh, promote products or to use their name uh, and, and for, for other jobs, which they couldn't before, something that like literally everybody else can do. As for what's allowed, there's the NCAA guidelines, and there are state laws, and there are institutional rules. And the frustrating thing for a lot of people in this industry is that none of this stuff is the same. The NCAA wanted to have more strict guidelines, and they're terrified to do it now because they think that they'll get sued and lose, which would be correct. Um, but essentially, the guideline state now is you are uh, the, the can't be explicitly pay for play. So you, you can't have an NIL deal that's reported that has um, – Performance-based incentives. You can't say I will give you more money if you throw ten touchdowns or if you start. Um, and they're not supposed to be explicitly recruiting inducements. It's not supposed to be uh, I will give you this deal if you uh, enroll at the University of Virginia or something. Now we both know that that is happening, but uh, that is that that, that is against. <laughs> Uh, the the NCAA guideline. What different states? Uh, probably almost a third of the country have state laws which may have different rules. You know, some states say that uh, athletes can't use university trademarks in endorsement opportunities. Some states say that universities cannot uh, explicitly broker the deals for those athletes. Uh, many and states, not to cut you off, but ju- that ju- that would just apply the state laws regarding like like that would just apply to state schools, correct? Um, no, that would apply to anybody that's a Division One institution with, within that state, regardless uh, of being a public school, or of, private school. Regardless, yeah. yep, state, state, uh, you know, does claim regulatory authority over all higher ed institutions. They, they, okay, so, um, and the the maybe the, the, one of the biggest state by state rules is with high schoolers. A lot of state high school athletic associations and some actual state laws say high school athletes can't accept NIL money and retain their eligibility. Others places like California explicitly say that you can, uh, which is why it's you know not an accident that the that the uh, gigantic deal uh, allegedly that Tennessee helped broker for a quarterback was with a California California athlete. Uh, you would not be able to do that in Texas. The uh, who is enforcing this stuff is the great question because right now the NCAA has has asked a couple of questions about school specific deals, but they haven't opened any formal investigation. And there's a lot of questioning within the industry about whether Indianapolis actually will. They do really have the jurisdiction to say this NIL deal is explicitly an inducement and therefore you're not you're not eligible. Um, We will see if that happens or if a state government does it or potentially the federal government who could who could theoretically um, pass legislation on this, too. But right now, since nobody really knows exactly who's enforcing the rules, there's not. A ton of rule enforcement happening unless you are just governed by your own moral conscience. So talk to me a little bit about collectives and that to me that the collective seems to be the thing that gets around everything. Right. Because if it has nothing to do with the school, like like no actual tie to the school, I think that's what's like the deal with uh, with. Um, with Nico, I'm not going to pronounce his last name. Uh, you know the the rumors about the Texas A&M recruiting class, all this stuff. Urban Meyer going back to Ohio or Columbus to do this stuff. That's all collective stuff. Ex- explain what those are and how that gets around uh, the rules. Uh, well, yeah, and it might not, right? So let's let's go back to the very beginning. 
if you are an athlete at Notre Dame or Ball State or anywhere and you want to do some kind of NIL deal and you don't have professional representation, which most athletes don't, uh, it's it takes a long time to broker one of these things, right? To go onto a marketplace or go onto Twitter or, or call up a, a company and agree on a rate and go through open doors and um, – it's it's inefficient, and and the te- the technology companies and, and some of these brands are, are trying to make that more seamless, but it's a really a non insignificant time commitment. And I can say that as a guy that's actually hired athletes to do some of these deals, and will continue to do so this summer. Uh, part of why collectives emerged is the uh, a way to centralize and make that that, that deal making process easier, and also allow fans. Uh, people that don't own businesses to be involved. So a, a collective gen- essentially is this is an LLC. It's a, a third party company that can accept donations uh, from from individuals. And then the collective will try to match a brand and the money with an athlete. So the athlete can just voluntarily opt in and doesn't have to go looking for deals and everything themselves. And that can make things easier for a brand too, because you might decide, hey, I want to go work with the Notre Dame athlete. I'm not necessarily sure which one. I don't want to have to interview 15 different people. Maybe I want somebody else, maybe who has has some background in marketing uh, to to help uh, set one of those things up for me. And I I have the money. And that's what a collective uh, can do. We have a lot of different kinds of collectives right now. Some of them are uh, not very sophisticated at all. And this isn't meant to be an insult. It's like literally a bunch of message board dads, you know, opening up their rainbows and and trying to to pass stuff along. You have some that have institutional fundraising capacity to easily bring in eight figures a year, you know, really heavy hitters. Uh, And you have also some that are looking at these collectives as a business opportunity. And want to make them into for-profit entities and basically build a school-specific college version of like the CAA or Athletes First or uh, an an agency, uh, a marketing and promotions agency. Um, Where you are seeing some concern, I think, among fans is one, thinking that you have to have one of these. And I I can tell you, you don't. Um, And then two, that, that some of these are throwing around an absolutely ridiculous amount of money. That... For a collective to pay on behalf of an athletic department $7 million or whatever crazy number to an athlete uh, would run afoul of the spirit of the no inducements rule. Just like if boosters did that two years ago, that that could be in trouble. And the NCAA is trying to figure out, hey, if that's something we, we can or need to be involved in. It also can present other problems that have nothing to do with the NCAA, like with the IRS, because some of these um, – Collectives are positioning themselves as charities, which they are absolutely not. And I've had accountants and like and uh, professors tell me like that if they get audited, they're going to jail Um, or potentially other federal and state regulators. So just because this is happening and there's a lot of money flowing into it does not mean this is the way everything's going to be going in six months. Okay. so like. uh, All right. So let me let me ask you this. We're kind of seeing a few things emerge, um, you know, th- throughout the country as far as, you know, not the not the slush fund, um, so not 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 the old SMU or what we think Texas A&M did or what Tennessee allegedly is doing here, but we're starting to see some things emerge. James Franklin and Penn State um, kind of putting something together. Notre Dame kind of has one right now. It's, they call it the Irish Players Club, and it's a it, it's a collective i guess you could say in a sense that they're they're selling nfts um there's a there's a limited number uh it's a certain amount and there's 
there's perks that go along with with the membership. Do you feel that that that's something that's more going to be the more the normal as far as or is that a more auxiliary in what some of the bigger schools uh, do in the NIL stuff? Like yeah, it, you know. It, it, what, what, what I can say is if I knew exactly where this place was going in six months, this industry, my newsletter would cost more than eight bucks. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I say that glibly, but like nobody can tell you. A like this didn't exist four months ago. Right. Uh, we don't know. I mean, th- the federal government could pass an, a, a unified NIL bill in six months and nuke some of these things. Uh, they could become profitable and Learfield will buy half of them and operate the collectives. Uh, there could be all kinds of changes. So I I, I – Look at this world with skepticism and conservative caution just because we're in a space where the rules can change a lot very quickly, whether that's through the NCAA or or lawmakers or or any of these other regulatory bodies. So anybody on a message board or any company that's trying to say, like, it's definitely going to be like like this, they're selling you something like you. That is I think that's unknowable. What Notre Dame is doing with the Irish Players Club is. Um, not the same thing as maybe Aspire or some of the the major entities supporting Oregon or supporting Kentucky. That doesn't mean it's a a bad thing or anything. It, it, it's 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 a it's it's a different kind of of collective. And I would imagine if you are a Notre Dame athlete who is not part of the football program. Or, or doesn't have the the time or the the professional representation to chase some of these deals, participating in that kind of collective could could be a great thing for them, and it could be a good it could be a good thing for Notre Dame fans who, uh, as I understand the Irish Players Club, if you buy one of these NFTs, you buy one of these these stupid JPEGs, you can. They are very stupid. They are very yeah. I think they're all I think they're all very stupid. But you get <laughs> autographs. You get like a private discord server, you get access to some of these athletes that you might not have had before because a school like Notre Dame could run a pretty closed sports information department. One of the the cool things about NIL is, you know, you do a deal with an athlete, there's nothing the SID can, can stop them. <laughs> that, that might give you a chance to, to have more one-on-one access or more right. of a connection with, with, this, with these guys or, or girls than you wouldn't have had before. So I don't know this, I don't know if this is the model or Penn State's the model or if Tulane is the model or if this marketplace could support six models. Um, I have some theories, but I, I can't say for certain. It makes sense that this would be one of the ones people try. Well, I think one of the, one of the bigger concerns, one of the bigger concerns really is just like this recruiting class right now for Notre Dame, like how it's starting to shape out and the, you know, things you hear about, about what's being done elsewhere, you know, in other places. It, it's funny, you know, we, Notre Dame gets a, a coach, a head coach that wants to recruit that makes recruiting like a top priority <laughs> and Marcus Freeman and someone that you, all right, this guy can work it. And now the, like the NIL stuff, like, like takes away like half of what he can do, um, you know, as, as, you know, as being a, a special part of the program. So you, you're, we're looking elsewhere about what's going on. Carnell Tate, five-star wide receiver, for example, uh, had a, had a meeting with Notre Dame, uh, just strictly about NIL stuff. And he came out of that meeting and it was, and it was just, he was just told you come here and we're going to help you with your social media and then if you do well, we'll help you find a deal. That was basically what was told to a five-star wide receiver uh, that's looking, you know, Ohio State's uh, probably the, 
probably where he's going to end up anyways. But you know, you're, you're, you're going up against that. That isn't a whole, that isn't a very good sell. Like to these top, to these top level players. Is that, does that feel right to you? Like, does that seem like the, like, like Notre Dame could and should do more at this point? Or are they just, are they dragging their feet? Do you think that maybe they're, they're waiting now to find out what the hell exactly how this is all going to shape out for the, uh, for the future? Yeah. I mean, like the, the, the general dynamic, what we're talking about here about guaranteed money has been a part of college football recruiting for 150 years. Right, right. So it's it's hard for me to get kind of bent out of shape about it. And if I'm Notre Dame and if I'm a recruiter, quite frankly, I, I think you could still have an extremely compelling pitch because what is the thing that, that, that coaches at places like Notre Dame tell all the recruits? Like, son, this isn't a four-year decision. It's a 40-year decision. And you know who has a shit ton of money? Notre Dame graduates and Notre Dame alumni and in and, 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 and connection with a bunch of, excuse me, like, you know, major industries. And so, you know, that that I think would be part of the pitch. Like, listen, can you theoretically be guaranteed an upfront cash payment to a uh, guaranteed NIL deal to attend this institution that allegedly some other schools are offering? Maybe not. Do we know that those deals are as good as the contracts that the, that, that are, are being set up right now? We don't. Uh, do we know what happens if an athlete transfers or gets hurt or if all of these companies that are that are proposing this all this money will exist in, in 18 months? We don't know that either. Like there's there's an enormous amount of unknowns. What I think a lot of fans and it's not just another damn thing. I think this is a fan across, uh, for a lot of message board and recruiting type people automatically assume that th- that just guaranteed money is going to be the single biggest factor in recruiting. I know some assistant coaches say that it's not true. Uh, and I, and it's it, I, I that's not just me kind of like being a, a, a contrarian here. Like I can tell you, I have filed FOIAs for every Division One institution to find out how many people are actually doing these deals. Because if you do a deal, you got to tell your compliance department, and baby, that's an open record. I can check it. And at places like Ohio State and in Alabama and Texas, these behemoth athletic brands, half their roster for football, let alone the whole university, has done exactly zero NIL deals. And a big part of that is because I've had players tell me this, dude, I'm working 30 hours a week on football and I'm going to class and I'd like to go on a date once in a while. I don't have time to be doing stuff on Instagram, trying to get 800 bucks for something. A couple of people care about that, but a lot of them don't. Just like how it is with undergrads or everyone else when they figure out where they want to go to college or what job they're going to take, your salary and your tuition is unquestionably a factor. But lots of people don't pick where they go to school just based on who gets them the most money. They might think about what their what the value of their degree is going to be like in 25 years. They might think about how far away it is from home, what the relationship might be like with some of their professors, how many cute girls are on campus, any of these other factors. And also because they're 17 and they don't always do things rationally. So. I don't think you can be bent out of shape about that, especially because Notre Dame allegedly hasn't been playing the same kind of uh, recruiting to win tactics, allegedly, that other college football powers have been doing for 50 years. So it would make sense that they're not willing to do the same things, allegedly, that other programs uh, might be doing. There are lots of things about this institution, its location, its alumni base, um, its its fan base that I think could be very attractive from an NIL perspective. And I don't think they would necessarily have to break any rules to present a compelling case for it. Okay. I, uh, I kind of made the, the case uh, on a, a podcast uh, last week, uh, kind of about, about the, the stomach for all this. And and basically what I was saying was like, look, if you're expecting, if Notre Dame fans are expecting Notre Dame to step up to, uh, 
you know, have basically in lack of a better term, you know, bags of cash. Like you're seeing these big and I, or you're hearing about not just seeing, but hearing about these big NIL deals. The Notre Dame, Notre Dame has been their fans and alumni and the big money people. They just, they don't have the stomach of like the 1970s um, Southwest conference. You know, Michigan is another program whose fans and alumni don't have the stomach for that type of recruiting, that type of uh, treatment of, of, of how to get players. Some of these other places do, but I, I kind of get that feeling. And Jim Harbaugh said it, I think just the other day, uh, made, made a comment, you know, maybe not as not, not exactly on those exact terms, but basically like, you know, I think that the, some of the bigger programs with, that aren't in the South, and, and not to put a demographic here, but that aren't in the South, are kind of like saying like, we're not going to be throwing bags of cash at these kids. If that's what you're expecting, that's not happening. Do you kind of get that feel that like, like some of these schools want, want it to be made a little more clear that this isn't the wild West that, that it is. I mean, there are places that are doing that, but there, and there've been people that right. are doing that. Yeah. For forever. Like, right. I, I can't tell somebody how to fan. And I think that at a place like Notre Dame and in a market like South Bend, and particularly if you happen to be a product of a parochial high school and uh, you're maybe maybe you're from a city that's that's not in Indiana and you want to go back, that a Notre Dame athlete could make a lot of money that is legitimately correlated to their like, you know, marketing value at at that kind of school. Uh, I think for anybody to, to to definitively like state one way or another about what's possible or not possible at one kind of institution when this has existed for less than a year would, would not be accurate. Look, I mean, I, I, you probably know, you know this better than I do, but yeah, yeah, you're probably right that it might be core to the identity of some Notre Dame fans that, you know, we do things the right way and that we are, that that you're more moral and uprighteous and yeah. And that you're creating a team of a bunch of warrior poets that are going home into their dorms and reading St. Augustine uh, after football. And look, man, If that's what you want to believe, you can go back to 1904 and and you can believe that and 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 that's fine. Then don't complain about getting smoked in the college football playoff. Like you and and you you can get people to campus that are will be good students and good citizens and 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 good models of of Christian values, but while recognizing that you're not doing things in, in 1904. Like I, 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 is Notre Dame dropping bags of cash or anybody else dropping bags of cash? Like. I, that that is is beyond the purview and expertise of my newsletter, but <laughs> I, I mean I, I I can't get super indignant about it one way or the other, you know. Like the, the the thing that I, as a reporter and in my world, that I'm more worried about, honestly, would be the IRS and some of and and kids signing bad contracts and not being protected and being exploited in this system, rather than a school getting a competitive advantage because of money or kids going someplace because of money. Like that's, that's how the world works. My, 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 I, th- I think, I, I, I suspect I have concerns about NIL and Notre Dame fans have concerns about NIL. Maybe they're not the same concerns. Was that reported contract with uh, the eight mil of Tennessee? Was that a, was that a four year thing? Yeah. It, 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 as, as I understand it, yeah, it's, it's two million years. So it's up to 8 million total. We haven't seen the, the, the full deal. Like the, I, I, the one thing I, I will say that's concerning, and this is something I've heard about from agents and other schools is that some of these collectives are also 
asking athletes to sign exclusivity deals, meaning that if you opt into this collective, you can't go on open doors and, and do a $300 deal with, with mom and pop's coffee shop. And that could potentially be a disaster for athletes, especially if they get hurt or if they transfer. And that could be a disaster for coaches because if you got a kid who was a five-star and he turns out to not be that great, he doesn't win a starting job, but he can't leave because he signed this NIL grant of rights with this collective and he can't you know, do a deal in a different market, that hurts everybody. And that is one of the things that I think well, how, could happen. I mean, how, how can I – okay, I'm glad you brought that up. So, cause I, I was thinking about that just the other day. So, so, the, so you have that. So you have this athlete who, who is there for, uh, uh, for a time frame with granted rights and yeah, roster and roster management matters. I mean, how can a, how can a coach, I mean, there would have, I mean, there just would have to be some type of language in a contract about a coach. I mean, a coach would really literally have to release a kid and pull his scholarship to, instead of the old, he's just transferring kind of thing, right? Like right now, I kind of think like a lot of this is done um, very humanely, you know, where a kid does, doesn't doesn't exactly make it at one school, uh, but then transfers on, and it looks like it's mostly the kid's decision. We're not, you know, we're not really knocking them out. But in this case, it would literally, if there was a contract in place, the coach would would really just have to pull his scholarship right well not even that because remember at some places you're literally not allowed to do that in some places they are four-year guaranteed scholarships the only only you could pull it is that the guy became like a felon or something you can't cut somebody at a big 10 school you can make them run stairs every single day until they quit but you can't you you, you know you, you can't do what bear bryant did beforehand at, at every single place um the, this this is this is the the operational concern right because if you are a co- running a collective, your loyalty is not to the coach, particularly if you're trying to run a for-profit enterprise. Your loyalty right. is not to the athletic director. Your loyalty is to your business interests. And so there may be times, at, potentially about roster management, potentially about recruiting decisions, potentially about other things where the interest of the coach, the interest of the athlete, and the interest of the collective don't align. And I think we've seen this with a lot. I mean, it's probably been the case at least sometimes in Notre Dame's history, but in more contemporary memory, you think about places like Texas and Tennessee and Auburn that have every financial advantage and sign plenty of great recruits and they suck on the field. And a big part of that is because there isn't universal institutional alignment. The boosters want to do one thing. The athletic director wants to do another thing. The coach wants to do one thing. And because power comes from money. And the money is diffused among different places with different agendas. You end up with like you know palace intrigue, power struggles, and, and you have issues. When you have collectives that are run completely independently of of, of the, the the university, I think you are institutionalizing and making it easier to have more of those kinds of problems. Um, and that yeah, that is a big concern I've heard from you know in my newsletter. I talk to athletic directors every day. I, I talk to coaches. I talk to people that run these collectives, run these exchanges, and this is a a major concern. It's, it's a big enough concern that I know some compliance software companies and some vendors have flat out said, "We won't do business with collectives. We only do business with universities or brands." Um, in, in part to because they don't want to get into, into this kind of power fight, and that is a absolutely a thing that can and will happen. Oh, that just I mean that just seems like nothing but. Nothing but trouble. I mean, absolutely nothing but trouble. Yeah. Uh, so, last thing for me, Matt, it's kind of kind of coming off that nothing but trouble thing. Yeah, you don't know the future. No one does in the next six months. So, because we don't know exactly what the future is, I think right now we can still blame the past. 
And just what you just uh, the last statements you made there, it makes me want to like think how could this have been different? Like, who's to blame? Because it just it's such a hot mess. Could could this all have been very different and more streamlined? Had the NCAA yeah. not drugged their feet, and what could they have done to to make this a you know a better experience for for athletes, for families, for schools, for fans? I mean, it just they they held off for so long to try to stay as amateur and pure as possible that they just really fucked it up for everybody. I think that is exactly what happened. Um, and, and now they're in a position where they aren't in control of these rules. They have to re- almost every AD and conference leader and certainly Mark Emmert has said, we want the federal government to fix this for us because now we can't. Um, and when you've delegated that authority to state houses, and and I don't want to get like explicitly partisan here, but you know I, I can tell you guys here as a as a bleeding heart liberal, uh, many of these state lawmakers that have been doing like making NIL laws have no idea what the hell they're doing. <laughs> they, they they don't follow this industry, <laughs> they don't follow higher ed, and they've created bad laws. So I know I know the libertarians are listening, but boy, wait do you hear about everything else? I'm like, all right, I I, I, I get you. So like that that like, what could have happened. Five, six, seven years ago is the uh, the NCAA could have allowed for limited and name image likeness rather than uh, taking uh, going to the court over every tiny little thing and maintained a a semblance of uh, of ownership over it. And and when I say the NCAA could have done this to be to be clear, this is not just a Mark Emmert screw up. This is a university president screw up. This is something that Notre Dame's leadership could have done more to mold this in their image. Ohio State's, Penn State's, Georgia's. When the NCAA does something that people don't like, it is because the school set it up that way. Mark Emmert is just there for us to yell at him um, because he's doing the stuff that the presidents are asking. So that was a huge oversight, trying to pin everything on the Supreme Court, um, thinking that a more conservative court was going to not uh, err on the side of labor uh, was an enormous miscalculation because they – Literally, Austin could not have gone worse uh, for for Indianapolis, and it, it's already opened up now multiple other cases working their way through uh, district courts that could potentially um, land a killing blow to amateurism as we know it. There's there's one happening right now in Pennsylvania that's centered around Villanova of all places that alleges that Villanova football players are, are shouldn't be classified as employees and therefore be paid a minimum wage, which is the very thing that. University presidents were trying to prevent for 30 years. So it didn't have to be this way. The last thing I think I'll say on this, and I, I, I don't want to sound too much like a curmudgeon, despite the, the logistical messiness and miscommunications and power struggles that are occurring in the recruiting market for top 300 football players, I still think that NIL has been unquestionably a positive development in college athletics. Um even actually, maybe particularly at a place like Notre Dame, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you guys why real quick, because I, I, I honest to God get emotional um, thinking about this. One of the things that I think a lot of people really forget about being a college athlete, whether you're a football player or a softball player or women's hockey or anything, is you don't get the exact same college experience that everybody else does because being an athlete takes so much of your time. It's a 20, 25 hour week commitment easily. You can't just say, hey, coach, I'm studying abroad in Italy. I will see you in like open gym in four months. They will say, that's not what we do here at Notre Dame. <laughs> like that, that's <laughs> you're a division one athlete. And so because of that, that means that some of your coursework, 
some of your internship and some of your social networking, and I'm not talking about Twitter, I'm talking about like real life capabilities, are diminished. Your world as a college athlete gets smaller. And on one hand, that can be a blessing because you're going to become much closer to your fellow athletes and staffers and, and people in that, in that building. But that's only a small part of what's available at Notre Dame or Ball State or uh, DePaul or any of these other places. One of the really great things about NIL um, whether that's for football or any of these other athletes, is it gives them a chance, athletes, to build a professional network independent of their athletic department. You're getting a lot of kids who play football in Notre Dame, especially nowadays, that not only don't know anybody that works in like financial services, but like doesn't know what financial services are. Right. Like because that, that wasn't part of your social circle in Laurel, Mississippi um, right. or in, in Evansville, Indiana or something. Right. Uh, you might know a lot of cops. You might know a lot of people. That, I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I say that just because I'm thinking here in Chicago, like St. Rita is like a, a high school pipeline in Notre Dame here in Chicago. That's the cop school. <laughs> like, that's where everyone's right. dad is a cop. Right. That's, that's what a right. lot of these parochial systems are like. But you but then you graduate. You don't make the NFL. You get a cup of coffee at Edmonton or whatever. And then you're like, now what? And through NIL. Um, and I'm not not through like these fake bagman things, but like honest to God, like what the system's supposed to be set up for. This gives a chance to let athletes. I, I think how I like to call it, like get people to 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 get some exposure to to financial services and insurance or, or other sales or other industries or other businesses. And then when they're done, they know, hey, I've got some guys in Kokomo, I've got some guys in Elkhart, I've got some guys in Indy or back home or New York or throughout the country because I got to meet them through 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 the, this world. That's what college sports on the university side is supposed to be about. And to bring this full circle, once that starts happening, then Marcus Freeman can go sit down in the living room and say, listen, I know what coach X, Y, and Z are doing here. Our alumni network, our global church community, our parochial community, everything that, that we have here at Notre Dame is bigger than that. And here's what how this, what this can look like for people once they're 28 or once they're 37 or when football is done, because football will eventually be done. And there, I think you can hold your head up high and say everything that you just said there is the truth, and that can be transformational. So I get why people get down on this and they're mad. They think it's dirty or they messes up their fanhood and everything. My world is with the entire athletic department. It's not just with the, the top six wide receiver recruits. And I think that there's still an immense amount of benefit that's happening for athletes at large. And I think that's worth celebrating, even at a place like Notre Dame. Hey, Absolutely. All right, thank you. Hey, Matt, you uh, you gonna be in Columbus for the you you gonna be down there for that? Uh, you know what? I think I should. I have. I, I, I have too. I, I have. I haven't. I haven't been home in a minute, and um, I, th- I think I think I should go. Ma- I think I should go make some plans for it. We'll see if D one Ticker will pay for me to go. I'm I, I'm gonna be in New Orleans for the Final Four, and I am likely to be in South Bend before the the Ohio State Notre Dame game, but. Yeah, let, let me see if I, can, if I can make plans to get back to the six one four. I uh, I I've really been scolding Notre Dame fans who just don't know. Uh, th- they were breathing a huge sigh of relief when when it wasn't Fox because they didn't want a noon game, and so I I keep telling these fans like you do not like do you really want a night game in Columbus as a as a Notre Dame fan do you want to go to Columbus at night I'm like listen to me no you don't I've been going down to Columbus for games all my life here and there. Night games are not what you want to go to as an opposing fan. I've been trying to scold uh, these fans, but they they hate Gus Johnson so much uh, that they just just can't look past that. Uh, I can promise you that the crowd in Columbus will be well lubricated no matter what. But if that game is later in the evening, 
they will have had more time to <laughs> have, have a couple of beverages. It should definitely be a packed crowd, though, no matter what. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be a fun game. Very, uh, uh, very tough test for Ohio State's rebuilt defense, for sure. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be nuts. Opening weekend. Can't wait for it. Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me today about this. And hopefully I mean, that cleared up some things for me. Hopefully uh, for for you listeners out there, hopefully that clears up a few things for you. This is not in my wheelhouse by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it definitely is Matt's. Um, check him out. Uh, get uh, Extra Points uh, newsletter, Extra Points podcast uh, at Matt Brown. What what is your exact Twitter handle? You and yeah. you and the other Matt Brown are battling. I, I, I know there's like, there's like six other ones here, right? So I'm I'm at Matt Brown EP on Twitter. The newsletter is at www.extrapointsmb.com. This is my world. This is the stuff that I do reporting on and to dig into every day. NIL, conference realignment, university admissions, athletic department budgets, all of that stuff. Um, you can subscribe for free and get two newsletters a week. And you can become a paid subscriber uh, like members of Notre Dame's athletic department and football coaching staff um, and, and get all five <laughs> newsletters, uh, extrapointsmb.com. Awesome, awesome. All right, Matt, thank you so much. We'll, we'll let you get back to your to your Chicago lifestyle there, Chief. Okay, thank you very much, my friend. Always fun. Uh, uh Ooh, man, that's just, that, that is a lot of words, a lot of information, uh, and a lot to, <laughs> a lot to digest. Uh, so I want to thank, uh, Matt once again uh, for coming on the show. Um, like I said, this is definitely something that's going to, we're going to have to look again, uh, in two months, three months, four months and see how all this is, uh, is shaking out and how all this is going to affect the future of, um, not only college football, but co- college athletics, uh, and just the way we enjoy things in general. Uh, so, um, yeah, just, it, it, it's, it's absolutely wild. So thanks again for listening. Uh, just reminded everybody get on over to Apple podcasts, please leave a rating, please drop a review and a review review that you leave. I will read on the next OFD podcast. I'm hoping to get some more off the rails shows, um, and firing maybe one, maybe even two off, uh, before the next OFD podcast, but we will we will see about that uh, as we you know get our way through spring and spring football, um, and you know hurtling towards the summertime and, and eventually in Columbus. So thanks again for listening, and as always, go Irish.